1: to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Steven Blake.
2: Hello, before we start this episode of the MMA Fan Podcast, we need to tell you about our sponsor Free Train. Free Train do these fantastic run vests for you to run in Hit the bag in and they keep your phone close to your chest. No more do you need to have your phone rumbling around in your pocket when you run or at an awkward angle on your arm. You can keep it on your chest with easy access to your phone whenever you go training. And uh, what can the people do, Stu, if they want to get a vest?
3: Simple. Head over to www.freetrain.com. Have a look. See what you like. And when you pop it in the basket, just before you check out, pop in the code. MMA fan, save yourself 10%. I mean, don't ever let it be said we don't spoil you here on this podcast. www.freetrain.com. Go check them out.
2: Excellent stuff. Right, on with the show.
3: Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but we've got another sponsor to tell you about Phil Supreme. They're a nationally recognised brand who offer only the very highest quality of natural supplements. Their extensive range includes a range of medicinal mushrooms, nootropics, anti-aging products, gut support products, green powders, vitamins and much more.
2: Yep, they've worked with fighters from all the top promotions including UFC, Bellator, Brave and Cage Warriors with a solid reputation of providing results. So check them out on Instagram which is at feel underscore supreme or their website, www.phillsupreme.co.uk, and make sure you use the code MMAFAN for a cool 15% off your first order. Don't say we don't spoil you. Hello, and welcome to the MMA Fan
3: Podcast. I'm Stu Whiffin, sitting opposite me for the first time in a while. Blake Harrison, hello.
2: Um, how you doing, man? You Good.
3: Yeah, yeah, all right. It feels, it feels a little weird. I mean, we had a, we had a tiny little catch-up on, on Zoom uh, a few days ago, but we haven't actually recorded a podcast for... What was the last one we'd done? Was, was it, it Dan one Hardy? One of the Cage
2: Warriors. Oh, no. Uh, was oh, it? it might have been. Was Dan Hardy or the Cage Warriors ones? I don't know. One of them. But yeah, so I've been, I've been busy in the, in the theatre. The Tell theater, me about it. In the theatre, darling. Give me an update. What's been happening? <laughs> It's been good. We've had some really good reviews. Uh, the Guardian gave us four stars. Not too shabby, darling. Not too shabby. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's a guy outside my house just, I don't know what he's doing, drilling something. So you might be able to hear that. But, uh, um, yeah, like and actually drilling. It's not like a euphemism for doing anything kind of <laughs> nasty. Well, <so laughs> well, wait, I mean, let's plug the play. I mean, I, firstly, oh, what's it okay. called? It's called A Place for Wee. And it's um, it's all about kind of gentrification and immigration and how that changed kind of the face of London. So you've got like modern day gentrification happening in Brixton, affecting kind of a lot of the, the the Caribbean communities there and how, um, you know, the kind of people with more wealth are coming into those areas now and changing them. Uh, Some would say regenerating, uh, but some would say it's, it's gentrifying it. And then, uh you you kind of see other aspects that we go back in time to the 70s where the kind of uh there was like the white flight out of places like brixton and when the the uh kind of windrush generation came into those areas so we kind of touch on all of that stuff and it's also about kind of like the kind of like family legacies that you leave and and you know all that kind of stuff. it's it's, it's interesting stuff and uh, there's a lot of like moving stuff in it as well. It's like, it's, it's technically it's a comedy. It's written by a stand-up comedian called Archie Maddock, So it is funny, but uh, there's a lot of uh, moving stuff in there. Conflict between like a father and son in the first half that are um, from Trinidad and the son's like, I'm a Londoner. I don't feel like a Trinidadian, but I don't feel English. I don't really know where I belong. And he wants to move away from uh, this kind of traditional way that they do uh, funerals there because they're, they're not earning any money, and uh, there's a lot of conflict between the father and son. The father trying to hold on to their kind of traditions and culture and all that. And then in the second half, uh, I come into it a bit more as a, a pub landlord in the seventies. I wear some very sexy flares, and uh, uh, they're very tight around the old caboose. And nice. um, yes, that's what the people want. Um, and uh, yeah, but my, me and my so I'm I'm of like Irish heritage and our pub is kind of going to be taken over by someone else. And I'm kind of, you know, five generations of history feel like they've just gone up in smoke because he's lost his, his pub to other people, but him and his wife are also dealing with a family tragedy as well. So there's conflict and problems there as well. So it's kind of got this kind of wide scope of like dealing with political issues and social issues, but also there's very much like within that, there's like that kind of kitchen sink drama as it were yeah, um, as well. So yeah, it's got a bit of bit of everything in there. And as I say, the themes and everything make it sound like quite a kind of like socio political yeah, drama. Definitely. But it's written by a stand-up comedian. So it is funny. Um so yeah. So yeah. So check out my Instagram page. There's a few trailers and bits on there, and like you'll see if you if you like it, and there's a link in my bio for, for tickets. Where is it on? It's on at the Park Theatre in Finsbury Park, and it's the okay. first thing that they have Done their like proper run of a play since COVID, so obviously the whole everything's been shut down for like eighteen months. So it's to be back on stage for me personally is just like an amazing thing. Um, after everything that happened with COVID, but also I think for the whole building for everyone there, it's 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 just this huge thing because there was a time when people thought, "Are are we done? Is this yeah? Is is it? Are we not going to come back? Because these smaller theaters, a lot of them are also charities. The Park Theater is also a charity." and they do charitable work within their community and stuff. And, um, you know, I think they were very concerned because they don't have like, it's all right if you're in the West end and you, I mean, they still were hit. Don't get me wrong, but you know, they were, had huge resources of money behind them, producers and stuff that, you know, they're minted. So they're going to be all right. Um, whereas these smaller theaters, it was very dicey. They might've just completely gone under and luckily for the park theater. And thankfully they haven't, and they're putting on stuff and, putting on good, important work as well.
3: Excellent, man. Like, yeah. There you go. Have... I, didn't,
2: I didn't think you were going to ask me about it. So I, no, I, I, I no, hope, I, I hope I've should... sold the show well enough. But, you know. Absolutely. Yeah.
3: Absolutely. It's good to have a catch-up. And I, I guess, yeah. obviously, we're always talking about MMA. It's always nice to uh, get a little bit of backstory as to yeah. what, why. I mean, obviously, we've been releasing episodes, but we'd, we'd kind of banked a load because we knew you was going to be you know, rehearsing yeah, and, 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 and yeah, a,
2: a, and absolutely. And your nightclub's open. Yes. You're yes. finally open. Let's have a get, <laughs> yes. People are going to fast forward this. We've got about yeah, a minute of right. listening to Stu talk about his club. Then we'll get on to MMA, blah, blah, blah. All right, Stu, all right. the club, how's things going?
3: Oh, it's been great because I mean, the, the the main thing that's really good is you're getting to reconnect with people. I've I've had this club for for nearly 30 years. So, um, see so many of you regulars that you haven't seen for two years, and then what's been really mad is over that two, it's not really mad, but like what's been wonderful is over the last two years, so many youngsters have turned 18 that have never experienced going to a nightclub. So they're oh. all coming for the first time. And, you know, experiencing my, my you know, the, the, my venue, The Pink Toothbrush, which is very different from uh, a lot of your kind of high street nightclubs. It's, it's very alternative and... And uh, and it's yes, yeah, it's a bit of a safe haven for the weird and wonderful, and 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 seeing all these youngsters come in and experience it for the first time is is lovely. Uh, so yeah, that's been that's been a real a real joy, mate. But okay, well look, the, the purpose of this interview, this interview, this episode, I guess, was to just have a catch up, really, and and obviously we've we've chatted about what me and you have been up to. But boy, oh boy, it's been uh, a busy few weeks in the world of MMA, right?
2: Oh man, it's been massive. So I mean, obviously, and typically, not to keep bringing up the play, but typically now (laughs) they've released like three, there's like three (laughs) or four cards over the next few weeks and and, and last week as well or whatever, where they're all at like British standard time, like like, 7pm, 9pm, all that kind of stuff. I'm doing a fucking play. I can't watch it. I'm there in my dressing room with my iPad. Trying to watch some of the prelims <laughs> and stuff. And then, like, a lot of my big stuff happens in the second act. So I, like, I don't want to get too distracted before that. So I have to I'll watch maybe a prelim or two. Then I have to shut yeah. it all, t- all down, sort of get myself in the zone and that. And then I can't watch anything until well afterwards when I'm like on the train home or something mm. like that. It's an absolute, it's so typical that now they've decided to do uh, cards that are at a good UK time and I can't well, watch done. them properly. And, and not
3: just that. I mean, we'll, we'll touch on uh, some of the recent cards, um, and we'll kick off talking about uh, one of the one of the epic UFC cards uh, of recent. But obviously, we was we had tickets for the Cage Warriors trilogy as well, and you couldn't make that because yeah. of the play. So, yeah. I mean, we'll talk about that anyway because what what a trilogy that was. Um, but should we? I mean, we're going to touch on the, the the recent news about Jon Jones and Chuck Liddell, yeah. um, which I guess isn't isn't as 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 exciting and as 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 positive as some of the other stuff we're going to be talking about today. So, let's should we kick off with two six
2: six? Yeah, let's kick off with something positive. We'll we'll move yeah. on to the negative and hopefully we won't linger on it too long. Yeah. But um, but yeah, the positives. UFC two sixty six. I know it was a few weeks ago now, and I know that MMA moves at such a rapid pace that you'll probably think, oh, 266, was that like twenty nineteen? No, it yeah. was only about two or three weeks ago. But we haven't been able to speak about it because I've been so busy and you've been busy. And uh, what an epic card it was. And I mean, we can't start anywhere else. And we're not going to linger on it too long because we know it's sort of old news now. But Jesus Christ, that main event, Volkanovski-Ortega was... Sorry, full name. Be-
3: full name, our mate Volkanovski.
2: Uh, oh, our mate. <laughs> our mate. Former guest. Volkanovsky, uh, and, uh and Brian Ortega. I mean, an incredible fight got to be contender easy for fight of the year. I know we still got a little bit left, but that is, that is funny. And round three in particular, I mean, I was, I was, my in-laws were over and I was like, said, I have to watch this fight. And even they got into it. And like, my, my mother-in-law was a bit like, Oh no, Oh, don't hit him. Oh, why are they doing this? But, uh, but my father-in-law was actually like, Oh God, that's really good. And my wife, because she's like, I've kind of dragged her into it a little bit. Yeah. Um, she's kind of well, And then anyone we interview, she's got a bit of a connection with now. She's like, Oh sure. yeah, they were, they were nice to my husband. So I like, them. <laughs> um, you know, and, and I've got to watch the ultimate fighter. She was well into the ultimate fighter and she was very much team Volkanovsky. Wasn't a big fan of Ortega. And, um, <clears throat> so she was, you know, rooting Volkanovsky and every time that round three, that guillotine was so tight and he got through it and we were all jumping off. So going, no, please. No. And then he gets out the guillotine and I think, right, just get to your feet. Just get to your feet. And he doesn't. He re-engages, and he's hitting the ground and pound. And then Ortega locks up a triangle, and you're like, no, Alex, you fucked it. Why didn't you just stand up? And then he gets out of that. And then he keeps going. Ha- these so are
3: just and triangles from anyone. They're off of no. Brian Ortega. I mean, it's T-City,
2: know. Triangle City. That, that, that's his name. He was in, like, his special move.
3: Yeah. And, I mean, I think they said that uh, – I think Volk said he could hear himself like gurgling, as like the air was being like choked out of him. And I now mean, you just think, fucking hell, man, he's made of stone. Oh, just, yeah. I mean, props to Ortega as well. Like, oh yeah, you know, I, I mean, I didn't think he come across too well on the Ultimate Fighter. Um, I was always a fan uh, of Ortega. Yeah. Uh, I'm still a fan of his fight style, but I, uh, I didn't think he come across too well, and I think. People in there getting to love Volkanovski because yeah. he's as down to earth as it gets, isn't he? I mean, he yeah. was such a joy when we had him on, and you know what a absolute warrior that yeah. performance was—just different level. And he looked, aside from that round, you know, the the, the 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 guillotine and the triangle, like it was a dominant performance, wasn't it? He looked just different level. I thought.
2: Yeah, I mean, look. He took some risks as well. I think following Ortega to the ground, that's just ballsy, brave. Some might say a bit stupid, but, I mean, he done it. And the ground and pound he left on him at the end of round three, I mean, that's one thing that, like, I've seen a lot of memes about it, but I've not necessarily necessarily heard enough people talking about, should that fight have been stopped? Was it round three, Blake, when... The buzzer went
3: and he was on his back laying there, Ortega. Because I thought thought Ortega thought the fight had been stopped. That was my initial thought when I saw that. I thought, oh, does Ortega think that's been stopped? Because it it looked like he'd had enough at that point. I think, obviously, in that round, he'd given his A game and it hadn't worked. And that must have just broke him mentally. I mean, it was just,
2: there was so many heavy shots that he took. His face was just blown up. And, uh, I mean, unbelievable grit and heart. I mean, for him to do that, and then I think lose the fourth round, but then I think he he won the fifth round. Fifth it's round. absolutely he, he... mental. But go, going back to that third round... It was back and forth. Then he had the two very, very close submissions. But then uh, Volkanovski finished with that really intense ground and pound. Mm. And then Ortega was lying flat on his back and he was lifted up onto his stool by his corner, which from what I've heard, that's not legal. You, mm. you have to sit yourself down on the stool. You're not allowed to be picked up and put on a stool. So immediately at that point, alarm bell should be ringing. And I think, was it Herb Dean? Yeah. I think it was Herb Dean. I think he should be looking at it going, mm, I don't think so. And I know that he, they then brought the doctor in and they did the whole counting on the fingers. But I think if he's already been put on his stool by someone after been lying flat on his back at the end of the round, should that be it? Should that be an immediate, you haven't made it back to your stool, mate. You, you're done. And that would have, you know, it would have robbed fans of an extra two rounds of an incredible fight. But would it have saved Brian Ortega's brain cells effectively you know did he go through some unnecessary damage despite winning the fifth round Yeah. when maybe he could have been saved that and we always have to think about fighter safety that that has to be the number one priority um and yeah and even when he was like holding up his his fingers and asking him how many fingers he was holding it didn't look like he was properly answering or or I don't know it it all seemed a bit strange it seemed like maybe I think there was definitely a case for the fight to have been stopped at the end of that third round because Ortega didn't seem as coherent as he should have been. And again, didn't make it back to his own stall. Um,
3: he did get a second wind in that fifth round, though. He, he, he came alive. And, and, and I think Volk was, was blowing a little bit in that last round. I think, and, and understandably yeah. so. Yeah. But you, I think, if I remember rightly, you know, like you say, it was a few weeks ago now. But I think Volk kept having a couple of glances up at the clock. He definitely uh, did, I remember
2: it,
3: yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, no wonder he he would have been absolutely blowing out of his ass. But, yeah, I don't know where Ortega pulled that last bit of gas from, but, yeah, he, he all of a sudden, he was super game in that fifth round. And, yeah, and I think it just made for just an epic fight. If you want to... If you want to showcase, you know, MMA to people, that fight is another oh. just absolute like this is what you yeah. get. When when yeah. when when MMA is delivering on all all points, this is the kind of shit you get. And oh glorious. And and yeah, and massive love to Volk for winning. What a champ.
2: Yeah, yeah. Love him. Love Volk. Great. It seems like just such a as you said earlier, down to earth, lovely bloke. And he seems now to be getting the respect he deserved. Because it, there was a lot of negativity towards Volk, I think particularly from Americans, because he'd beaten Max Holloway twice. Who And Max Holloway, we all love Max Holloway. There's not an MMA fan out there that's not a Max Holloway fan. And it wasn't Volk's fault that he got the decisions. I mean, I, I think he clearly won the first fight. I know the second fight was very, very close, I'd have to rewatch it before I said, oh, no, Volk definitely won, or Max, I think, actually won that, and the judges got it Volk, wrong. Volk yeah, weren't tough. a judge, though. <laughs> no, exactly. Volk. <laughs> yeah. Volk's gone out there and done the business. I think, from what I remember, he lost the, uh, the first fight. I think he won clearly. Second mm. fight, uh, I think he lost the first two rounds and then made adjustments, and then did definitely win at least two of the rounds after that, I think, and then... I don't know. I'd have to rewatch that fight. It yeah, might be an interesting thing for too us to much do. About it. I remember it, being but it was fight. close. It was close. It was. I don't think it was ever a robbery or anything like that. But some people just go down that rope because they're such big Max Holloway fans. Um, and it wasn't his fault. So he didn't get the respect he deserved because everyone thought, "Oh no, Holloway's the real champ." Blah blah blah. No, Volkanovski is the champ, and he thoroughly deserves everyone's respect and all the congratulations he's getting now. And, uh, you know, he's got to be up there on the pound-for-pound pound list. I know Kamara Usman's amazing. We'll get on to John Jones. I'm not considering him involved in any rankings at the moment. Um, but Volkanovski's right up there. Right, yeah. right up there. Because he's, you know, it's all well and good. like Izzy's obviously up there in terms of the middleweight division. But he did lose to blahovic And I would argue the middleweight division... The calibre of it is nowhere near as good as the calibre of the featherweight division. Featherweight and bantamweight, for me, are just ridiculous at the moment. And for Volkanovsky to have beaten, like, your Chad Mendez's, Jose Aldo, who we now see at 35, just doing incredible things. Um, and then uh, uh, Max Holloway twice. To beat Aldo and then Holloway twice, whether or not you agree with the second decision, he's beat him twice. And then uh, and then go on and beat Brian Ortega, who everyone thought was like outside of Holloway and maybe Volkanovski was like the next best featherweight mm. by a bit of a distance. I mean, yeah, you've you got to start putting a lot of respect on his name. And a lot of respect on City kickboxing, man.
3: Like, yeah. Uh, there's some bad asses coming out of there now. Did you see, um, just touching on uh, the uh, the, when I was waiting for the after the prelims to the main car for Cage Warriors, I was running some some stuff about uh, some some short films about city kickboxing. Did you watch that? Nah. No. Oh, it's great, really good. Um, talking about Volk and Izzy Hooker and like and just so many beasts that are are coming out of that that gym at the moment. Yeah, it's a really good. It's about fifteen minutes. I'm sure it'll be on Fight Pass, but yeah, well worth oh, well that worth that a watch. Good. That uh, well look. On 266, I mean, there's, there's other fights which, you know, we, we could end up making this a post 266, and that's not really kind of the, the plan today. Um, touch on a couple, I suppose. Obviously, I know we're going to talk a little bit more at length about um, Robbie and Nick, um, but in between that was uh, Valentina and Lauren Murphy. For me, it didn't excite me that fight. Um, I thought Valentina made a bit of a meal out of it. Um, I think it could have been finished a lot quicker. I, you know, it sounds horrible when when you talk about people getting in the cage with, with Valentina, but uh, it felt like a bit of a lamb to the slaughter, that one. Um, I, I didn't I, I feel that, like, there's... Lauren Murphy was ever going to take
2: that title. No, I feel like we could say that about pretty much the whole flyweight division at the moment. Oh, yeah. Obviously, there's some youngsters coming through that given a couple of years might be able to challenge, but at the moment sure. it, it does. It feels very much like Nunes at 35. You know, it is just, it feels a bit lamb to the slaughter, as you say. One thing I would say that I'm really impressed with was with, with how Lauren Murphy's taken that defeat. Just really, really classy, really well. She effectively just came out and said, it within a first round, she realized, oh shit, this woman's level's above me. She's, yeah. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what she's come out and said. Yeah. And she was just like, and she just tried to tough it out and tried to do her best. And I've got all the respect in the world for Lauren Murphy for doing that and coming out with something like that. Because you just go, yeah, because we can see it. And some people would come out with excuses or I had a bad wake or I had this or I had that. Or, oh, if you give me one more shot, I, I know I could get it right. And right. And she's just come out and gone, oh, no, she's, she's levels above. She's and too good. <laughs> she's just too good. And, and, and it's true, and we all see yeah. it. And I respect Lauren Murphy so much for just coming out and saying that truthfully and just being humble because Lauren Murphy is still a problem for a lot of people in that flyweight division. Yeah. Lauren Murphy is a top, top flyweight. Yeah. But oh, there's some the amazing
3: t- fights in, in that division, but none of them are against Shev.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, that's it. With Shevchenko, you're just going oh, let's watch this amazing fighter. How, how long will it take for her to just dispatch this next opponent? Will yeah. she do it stylistically? Like, what, how will this go? Yeah. It's not... And it, for me, that never excites me as much. And I know that we should be... We should love watching greatness. You know, these are, these are people that might go down as the, some of the, the... Valentina Shevchenko already is because the flyweight division's, like, not existed for very long. But in decades to come, we might be looking back and go... God, do you remember when Valentina Shevchenko was around? Like whoever's champion now in 2040, Yeah, she wouldn't have held a candle to Valentina Shevchenko. We had the glory days of of Valentina Shevchenko. So we should be embracing that. But as a fan of uh, uh, of MMA, what I want is I want a fight to come up where I go, oh God, I have no idea which way this is going to go. I want to see the fights where I'm like, I would never want to bet on this fight because you just don't know. And that's what really excites me. Uh, and unfortunately, the flyweight division with Valentina at the helm is 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 not that. The gap's too big, isn't it? Gap's too big. Gap's too big. But um, on to to Nick Diaz and Robbie
3: Lawler. Uh, I was so excited, Blake. I was so <clears throat> excited to see this fight. Um, everyone loves a Diaz. Nick Diaz back in the octagon, yes, please. Robbie Lawler back in the octagon, yes, please. The fact that they're going... I mean, and the thing was as well, there was very little given away in the lead up to this as well. Media was pretty closed on, on, on Nick and what you had seen of him, he was, I guess what you normally expect from Nick Diaz doing media, uninterested, despondent, a bit bit down in the mouth about it all really. And he was, you know, it was quite, quite. I mean, I, I know on our WhatsApp group and I think I spoke to Pip about it. You see, oh, he seemed a bit, a bit like, down and 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 I, I'm sure it was Pip, yeah, That's Nick Diaz, you know. That's 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 Nick Diaz chatting. You know, he, you know, he doesn't necessarily uh, like the like the game, but he likes the fight. I think that was the the, the quote, and uh, yes. or like the sport, but yeah. likes the fight. And uh, and you know, he's always been open about uh, about that. But yeah, it just felt I don't know, and I I hoped. I mean, in my my I, I thought once. He got in the octagon and that buzzer went. I thought he was going to flick the finger like he did with Anderson. Totally respectful of Anderson right up until that buzzer went and then started like trying to get in their head and started like playing games and stuff like that. Mm. I kind of thought that was going to happen. It didn't. Um, I mean, he was throwing and he was throwing, you know, punches in bunches. I thought, physique-wise, I thought Robbie looked great. I didn't think Nick looked great. Um, I thought they both went at it for a few rounds. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, before we get on to how it finished, what what was your kind of take on it? So I
2: I think I missed a lot of the kind of prime Diaz years. And I I saw Sean Sheehan, our friend Sean Sheehan, uh, saying on a tweet uh, it's so funny seeing people experience Nick Diaz interviews for the first time. Effectively like alluding to what you just said that like yeah. that's Nick Diaz in interviews. Yeah. But I have to say I was suckered in to the I felt bad about it. It was I, you that sent the, the message yeah. I think, on our thread. His hmm. interview with Brett Okamoto on, on ESPN That was it. concerned me. I was like this this isn't just a a sort of Nick, this didn't feel like just a sort of Nick Diaz, oh, I hate the fight game, oh, this is a load of bollocks, why should I fight, I'm not excited for fights, why would I be excited about going in there, it's like a scary thing, whatever. This felt more like a man that seemed slightly troubled, like, like maybe he was having financial issues and it was the only way to do it, or maybe he was sort of pushed into it or manipulated into it, or something like that. and. Like he was saying, I don't know why this fight's even happening and stuff. like that, and, and that really concerned me. And maybe I was just kind of suckered in as someone that hasn't experienced a huge amount of kind of Diaz interviews before. But uh, yeah, it concerned me. And, I, I, and when he first came out in that first round through some weird kick that I was like, that looked awful. And obviously there was the whole weight change as well. Like mm-hmm. it was meant to be a welterweight fight. And a few days beforehand, it gets changed to a middleweight fight. Robbie Lawler, the reason he looked good is he was cutting for a welterweight fight and then went, oh, now you've got to change it. Diaz, it makes you think, was he training properly? I mean, this is a man that does triathlons and all that kind of stuff. He's usually very, very fit. I'm sure he's in the gym regularly. But to do that on a few days' notice makes me think, well, your commitment's not in this, is it? To go from I'm not going to cut the 15 pounds extra on just a few days' notice or or only realize at that point I'm not going to make the weight, mm-hmm. that's that's concerning, I think. That's, that's never a good sign. Um, so, yeah, and then he came out, and I think he looked bad for the first minute. And then he seemed to fall into his stride a bit, and we actually ended up getting quite a fun fight. Mm. And he was doing the Nick Diaz, you know, punches in bunches, some crisp hands and boxings, ripping into the body. Um, and I thought it was that he actually made a good account of himself. And, you know, I was watching that going, this welterweight legends league has got some legs. It's got some mm. legs. We need to do it. <laughs> um, but uh,
3: I, I didn't think he was ever going to win. I thought Robbie <laughs> just looked like better.
2: Yeah, I, I was going into that fight thinking Robbie's going to take him out pretty quick. Nick Diaz did better than I thought he was actually going to do. Um, and I wonder, with six years out of the cage, my I was thinking to myself, I don't think I ever want to see Nick Diaz fight again. I don't think I, I ever want to see it. I, I, I'm not interested in that. See, I've I'm changed my mind. Oh, if really? If, if, well, it, it's all down to the mental side of things. If that interview with Brett Okamoto was a classic Diaz sort of just hating the fight game and he's mentally wants to fight, if he actually really wants to fight, as long as they match him up with favorable opponents, aging welterweights and stuff like that, and maybe they don't have to cut down to welter, but they are aging welterweights, I'm, I'm all in. Don't give him any prospects. Don't give him people that are going to really hurt him like uh, quickly and all that kind of stuff and just... You know, take his shine, any none of that. But if you want to match him up against a Donald Cerrone or something like that, I'm 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 happy with it. I don't I don't mind as long as he is properly training and he's mentally up for it because that's the big question for me is if he genuinely does feel like I don't know why I'm here and why I'm doing this, and if he if he was potentially manipulated sort of into fighting, yeah. I don't want him anywhere near a a combat sport uh, arena. I I don't want him near it. I think it'd be very dangerous for him. I don't want him near it. But if he wants to fight, I mean, you six years out the cage against someone that fights regularly. Mm. I felt like he ended up doing all right.
3: Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm looking to my right and I've got a a big photograph of, um, of Nick Diaz, uh, calling in, in the octagon with GSP, giving it to him. Uh, looking in incredible shape and obviously yes that's a long time ago but he i like that era i was lucky that i got to watch nick diaz fight you know i, I was mm. watching ufc then uh, so i got to see you know a lot of his you know in, amazing fights and for me when that fight finished i just thought i don't want any more of this now nah, like i you know he's he's an absolute legend you know, and, you know, I'm happily, I'm happy with a night at the moment. I don't need.
1: How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host.
3: Nick, I think, like, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's cemented his glory. He's, he's an absolute beast, but yeah, no, yeah, I, I don't want to see anything more from him. I, I just think, yeah, go do your triathlons, call me your brother. And, uh, yeah, don't I, I don't want to see him fight Cerrone. I, I, I'm not interested in that. It's not for me. Like, I think, yeah, m- maybe there was... We could have read more into what you were saying. You know, pre-fight, that stuff might not have just been him just doing what he does. Maybe he genuinely did wonder why this fight was happening. You know, if you are not prepared to make that weight cut that late, you know, then... There's stuff going on, clearly. Mm. Um, But, like I say, while it lasted, it was good. But the ending, I just thought, let's, I think, leave it alone now.
0: Yeah.
3: I think that's fair enough. Okay. Well, look, on this card, is there, on the main card, I mean, let's let's not sort of go too into it. But I know on the prelims, insane Dan Hooker's on the prelims. Um, That shows how stacked that card was. But... You've been so overexcited about Dan Hooker this last few weeks, haven't you?
2: Oh, my God. I mean, I didn't know whether to save this for – because we've got some downbeat would you, I mean, stuff to talk I mean, I just wanted to mention about. Hooker I because know.
3: I knew it was on the card and I knew right, we were going to Should we do
2: the Dan Hooker appreciation uh, section of Yeah, the let's show, do that. Let's which do that. could could become a weekly thing. Yeah, um, needs a jingle. I mean, it does need a jingle. Oh, that would be so funny. <laughs> I'd love that so much. Um, so, Dan Hooker appreciation moment. I mean – Jesus Christ. So firstly, uh, for 266, he was having huge visa issues, if you're not aware, getting over from New Zealand uh, to Vegas. The guy lands, um, I think, two days before the fight because of all the visa issues. So he's watching the embeddeds that he was supposed to be on in New Zealand at his own and, uh, and only gets over to Vegas like two days before the fight. I'd be remiss to say and not point out that uh, Hack Parash was having similar things. I think coming over from Germany, I think he had his mother's funeral uh, uh, just before um, uh, that kind of like fight week or whatever. And he was having visa issues. So he was dealing with a hell of a lot as well. And he only got over with a few days before the fight. So both of them, props to both of them. That was amazing that they were able to fight and make weight, make weight after flying all that way uh, and arriving just like two, three days before the fight. That in itself is incredible. They fight. Dan Hooker wins. He puts on a phenomenal performance, shows layers to his game. He wasn't just like Rock'em and Robots. He was using takedowns and wrestling as well. Absolutely fantastic from Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker, go and celebrate, have a lovely time, and then fly home and do that really horrible quarantine that you have to do in New Zealand, see your family, bye-bye. No! No, he doesn't do that because he gets a phone call to fight Islam Mukachev, a guy that I think is a champion in waiting. He is, I think, the most dangerous guy in the lightweight division.
3: How many people do you reckon said no to that before Hooker got the call?
2: Plenty. Plenty. No I one mean, wants that fight, No mate. one wants that fight. No one wants that fight. So Dan Hooker, after just having a fight and making weight, effectively only two days after landing from a huge uh, long flight uh, from New Zealand, he decides to go, oh, do you know what? fight islam makachev the the proper boogeyman of the division on what four weeks notice do i get to go home and train with my trainers no i have to just stay in vegas do i get to see my family no no i've got got to stay in vegas if i don't go home on my allotted time the way the new zealand quarantine things work he's now i think stuck in america until 2022 this is huge yeah. He's foregoing. Now, thankfully, I think the UFC are doing everything in their power to get Dan Hooker's family over to Vegas, and they can be with him for a few months. So well done, UFC, for, for doing that, and I'm sure they sweetened the pot financially for him as well. But to do that, to take on Islam Makachev on four weeks' notice, when you've not got your full corner here, Eugene Behrman uh, has, has gone home. Uh, he's back in New Zealand now, I think, so he's got like a a couple of people that he knows in America that will be like training him for this fight that might've done little bits of city kickboxing before, but this is not a full proper camp for him in length or in, in the the people around him. And he's still doing this fight against who I think is the toughest fight in the division. And not only that, he doesn't even have enough clothes with him. The UFC (laughs) about to give him loads of clothes. And he said, because he arrived only two days before, all he did was bring his gloves. So he hasn't got any, Shin guards, he's got no rash guards, he's got no training gear, he's got nothing the UFC have had to give him like a couple of oldals worth of UFC branded truck suits and pads and all sorts you're like I mean I'm sure he's
3: getting kitted out mate you're making it sound yeah. like he's had to go to lost property and they're giving him like a pair of like oh uh, yeah we've got, uh, got a pair of oh hang on uh, Andrelowski's pants yeah he left them in the shower room he popped them on mate like, <laughs> I'm sure they're not just, I mean he's gonna be kitted out in all the right gear no but that's he's,
2: what I'm saying no but, the, but the, even that in itself is like he's had to be kitted out like he hasn't got any of yeah. his gear, like I know he's going to be kitted out with the the UFC stuff, and I know they've got the PI there. I'm not, I'm not saying as you said he's just getting like Arlovsky's old holy pants, but um, but it's like, but I think that's massive. The yeah. balls on the man, so just he's you're going, just, he's just yeah. official fucking badass man. Yeah, I mean that's BMF. That's I think yeah. win or lose, win or lose, there talk of there's talk of Nate Diaz fighting Vincente Luque next, which mm. would be an amazing fight if it happens. But I tell you what. Win or lose against Islam Makachev... I mean, if he wins, give him a fucking title shot as far as I'm concerned. Mm. But if Dan Hooker loses against Makachev, which, let's be honest, Makachev's going to be the favorite in that fight. As much as for the story of it, I would love to see Dan Hooker win so much. Mm. But the chances are he's probably going to lose that fight, I think. If he loses that fight, give him a BMF fight against Nate Diaz or Masvidal or... Whoever, this guy has earned it. He is the new BMF of the UFC.
3: Hooker and Nate, that's a great fight stylistically.
2: Ah, oh, it's an amazing fight. You know they're just going to come out and mm. sling in and just, oh, it's both really tough as well. Five rounds, Ah, oh, that, that'd be brilliant. But if Hooker, yeah. if Hooker pulls it out of the bag, if Hooker can beat Islam Mukachev, give that man a title shot immediately. I don't care who wins out of Oliveira and Poirier. We had a fight of the year contender against Poirier the last time they fought. Uh, so I'm happy to see that run back. Uh, if, he, if it's Oliveira, fine, no problem. Give him give him the title shot because he would have fucking earned it. I
3: oh, really wish we had the play-out jingle about Dan Hooker right now.
2: Yeah, it, every it, week.
3: It, it warrants a jingle. <laughs> it's the best we can offer Dan Hooker is his own jingle. Absolutely. Um, well, look. Should we um should we look at something that's been a little bit more of uh of of a sad kind of side of yes. of, of of MMA, and and there's been I, I guess we won't talk too much about Chuck, um but the, I guess one of the things that's dominated MMA news really of of the recent sort of week or a couple of weeks now I guess has been uh, the arrest of John Jones and yeah it's uh I mean. I think obviously me and you're going to be quite mindful as to as to what we say here obviously we're going to try and reference the relevant documents to make sure that you know everything we say is as per police report and uh, yeah but not good right
2: no no I mean well look just to 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 say the reason we're not talking about chuck as much is that there's not that I haven't seen enough information out there there was yeah. a story on mmafighting.com That Chuck was involved in a domestic abuse incident and uh, then Chuck released a Twitter statement saying that he wasn't he was actually the victim and he had some like scratch marks and stuff on him where he was actually the victim. MMAfighting.com, as far as I'm aware, have actually pulled the original article down now, which makes me think there's oh. legitimacy. I think, I think I might be wrong. People go and check this for yourself. Don't take everything I say as reds, you know. Um, but I, as far as I'm aware, they've pulled that. So that makes me think there is legitimacy to Chuck's claim. So it's very difficult to talk about that when we're, we don't know. Sure what's gone on there that I've not seen a police report. I've not seen any of that stuff. So, but if someone has seen that and they think we're being unfair and they think that we should be going in on Chuck here, send it to us. And I am more than happy to, uh, to talk about it on another episode and be as fair as possible to everyone. Because we've also had a situation with Luis Pena at the Mm. moment where Luis Pena has been cut from the UFC because of uh, uh, domestic abuse allegations um and uh, yeah, but we're not really going to go into the Luis Pena thing either because again, I haven't seen as much information on that. Mainly because Luis Pena is not as big a star, and maybe that's why the UFC have found it very easy to cut Luis Pena, but they're not cutting John Jones. Which say what you want about that, whether that's you know, I know it's a business decision and all that stuff, and they want to get all the facts out there, but they were happy to cut Pena to make it look like they've done morally the right thing. John Jones, we're still waiting to see what happens there. But I think it's very important that we do say we've seen police reports. I've also actually listened to the audio phone call between the person at the front desk of the hotel talking to the police. Hmm. Um, So obviously... No one has been found guilty yet. There is no, you know, these kind of things have to go through the right systems. And up until a verdict is given, we would be wrong not to use the word like allegedly. Yeah, of course. However, however... If you do your research into the police report and all that, it looks very bad. And I think what we should do is maybe I've I've kind of taken a few extracts from the police report, yeah, and I wonder same. if we should we should say a few of those just to give. If you haven't seen it, just to give people a bit of of knowledge on what's been happening. So Jones was in Vegas to be inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame for well, his he was uh, wasn't he? Obviously, well, he was, was inducted. It, yeah, it was after that that yeah. it happened, wasn't it? It was that, yeah. You know, so they had the the induction it was for his first fight with Gustafsson um, which was an incredible fight and uh, rightfully goes into the Hall of Fame Later that night uh I think what uh Jesse Moses his fiance had said was that he went I think they he went to a strip club and came back in a bad mood um, and um uh she is down at the reception desk, whatever went on between them and uh, is bleeding from her nose and her mouth. Uh, And uh, the police arrived and they were informed that the suspect being John Jones had left the property and was picked up by another unit outside the hotel where uh, he identifies himself as John Jones. And the police then stated uh, that uh, John Jones resisted arrest uh, as he was being taken into custody And there's a quote that as Jones was being detained, he became irate, smashed his head into the front hood of the police car, uh, leaving a a medium sized dent. That's the quote, uh, as well as chipping off some of the paint of the vehicle. Don't know why that's important. But um, yeah, he then, I think, joked that, um, where is it? He... He joked that he would like to take on all of the police officers and see what they could do. Uh which doesn't go is, you know, just ridiculous in itself. They threatened to tase him, I think, at that point, in which point he became more compliant. But in terms of the actual situation with his fiancee, Jesse Moses, um, uh, she was asked if he got physical with her. Her quote was a little bit yeah. Um, she had blood on her clothing, uh, dried blood on the bottom part of her lip. Uh, uh, and the guy at the reception desk said it looked like she had been in a physical altercation. Um, um, she, again, this is one of those moments where you're looking at someone's uh, impression of the event. But again, the guy at the desk said, she seemed too scared to go back to her room, that's but right. was asking for assistance. And one of what I think is one of the most disturbing things about the whole thing is that she was with her three, her and Jones have three daughters. She was with the three daughters and one of the daughters asked the reception guy to call the cops. That's, that's what's been said on MMAfighting.com com and, uh, and a, a bunch of other sites was that it was his own daughter, that asked for the police to be contacted um yeah so, i mean i don't know what else to, to to say about that really well
3: well jones has uh as 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 tweeted um not us uh I love how people are imagining the worst possible situation in their heads and making it somehow factual. I never hit my fiancé and our daughters were woken up after our confrontation. My daughters didn't see or hear us arguing. That's really the only thing I care to clarify. Outside of that, looking forward to moving forward without alcohol. It's the first time in my life where I'm actually ready to quit. Glad to have the support of my fiancé, family, friends and fans. So... I guess one of the other things that is a significant uh, thing to come from this as well is um, Coach Wink um, who has basically said um, that, let's see if I can quote this as well. Um, I said, John, here's the deal. You're like my little brother. You have to stop drinking and fix these things for a certain period of time until you come back to the gym. So at the moment, he's out of the gym. He's not allowed to come in the gym. I felt like I had to do that. Because ignoring it and expecting different results, as they say, is insanity. He's got a lot of yes people around him that won't tell him the truth. He may hate me for it, but I'll tell him the truth. Um. I mean, that that's his coach. I'm not going to suggest anything else around the situation. It sounds like it's it's bleak enough as it is, but you know, I, I'm sure I, I I'm sure his coach probably knows him as as good as anybody really and to then go, you're not welcome and and if you're a coach wanting to you know have somebody and you want to coach a fighter, John Jones, you know, is arguably the greatest of all time mm. you don't boot the goat out of a gym without good reason to. Uh, and so, you know, I guess maybe this has brought it to a real head. It would appear that alcohol is a, a big
2: factor in this. Um I mean, I see that's dangerous for me. I, I look, I, there'll be people out there that know a lot about more about this stuff than me. I've, I've never suffered with an alcohol problem or anything like that. Um, I I worry that people well, not people. I worry that John Jones could possibly use this as um a sort of excuse. I think I don't think John Jones has ever come out saying that he has a, a, a problem with alcohol in terms of addiction. Sure. I've I've not heard that. If I'm wrong, fair enough. What it means <laughs> is, I think when he's coming out and saying that, is that he doesn't do well when he's drunk. Like, and he yeah. he he he's his. And we all we all know from times when we have been drunk that alcohol can, you know, exacerbate certain parts of our personality or make us make some bad decisions. But if he's had a physical altercation with his wife, this man that is now got 270 pounds or whatever he's weighing at the moment after moving up to heavyweight and is arguably the greatest fighter of all time, he's, you know, probably one of the best unarmed fighters on the planet for him to be, Put his hands on his fiance, regardless of whether he's drunk or not. I, I, I don't. I don't think that you can use that as a. Oh, it's 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 alcohol. It's alcohol. I, I, I don't buy into that. I don't. I, I don't. I. I think. It, I. Yeah. I. I. I think. It, I. I just don't think. I just don't think it's good. You can't do that. I don't care how drunk you are. There's no level of drunkenness that would make me physically assault anyone, let alone the, the mother of your children, someone that is probably half his size. There just there's, there there isn't anything, and that you, I mean you might know more about this stuff than me. I, I don't know. I I I've not been around that kind of I suppose. A huge amount of, of drunken violence or anything in my life, but I and maybe some people can't deal with it. Maybe that is a thing. I I I just don't think it's a. I don't think that's enough of a reason to to do it. And I, and I don't I don't abide by that as a as an excuse.
3: I, I I totally get what you're saying. Um, obviously the nature of work that I do, I've seen ridiculous amounts of of, yeah. of people behave terribly uh because of alcohol. Um and, and behave in a manner that they wouldn't generally behave in if they hadn't had a drink. So um alcoholism is 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 something that is awful. Uh and yeah, I, I mean I, I think without sort of getting too involved in in, in, in that really and, and I think sort of looking forwards really I think I'm sure more will come out should this find itself in a courtroom, um, and then I think when we get some clarification of of where this is going, and clarification and and and, and closure as to, as to exactly what happened, and if he's guilty of that, then my thing is how the UFC deal with that because he is he should be the ultimate inspiration for aspiring fighters, you know, young kids that are getting into mixed martial arts. They should have posters of John Jones on their wall because he's arguably the the greatest. He's been in and out of police cars, you know, you know, throughout the, you know, some of the, the the mid to latter half of his career. Uh, And, you know, it sounds like he's made some pretty bad decisions, uh, n- not just talking about this this recent one. Um, and I think it's just a case of, like, I do think that the UFC sooner or later have to take a real solid stance on something like this, because when you look at Connor throwing the, 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 the pallet truck, whatever it was, through the through mm-hmm. the coach window and Dana saying, you know, this guy's probably gonna go to prison, you know, blah, 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 and you know, this is you know, he's at the police station now, this is disgusting. And then fast forward a few months and they're using that footage to hype the next fight. Um I personally don't like that. I I think they should Conor McGregor's got enough stuff inside that ticket that you, you can use for a showreel. Don't cheapen it and glorify and make it salacious somebody with a pack of mates behaving like that, uh, they, they should have made a real strong stance there and, and, and punished him for it. Um, and I think if John Jones is guilty of what he's been arrested for or, or what's been uh, uh, alleged against him, then for me, I think he needs to be cut from the UFC. Um, if 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 he's found guilty of domestic violence... Uh, against, you know, against uh, his partner. <clears throat> uh, I, I, I don't see how, how, we, how we'll how be right to, for people in an audience to be cheering his name. Uh, and I think you're right. Got, I but think, we've got and, Greg Hardy fighting uh, in, but again, in a couple of events. But,
2: but that's the thing. That's the thing with all of this is that if someone's found guilty, I think the UFC will cut them even if it's John Jones. The problem with a lot of these cases is that, A, the people the people we're referring to, like the John Joneses and the Greg Hardys of the world, do have a lot of money to get the best lawyers. They can settle things out of court so they don't get convicted. Doesn't mean they didn't do it. They've settled it out of court. Some of the details of the Greg Hardy thing, people can go and look up very bad, Um and uh, and also the fact that this woman's been with him for seventeen years, she got three children with him. Mm-hmm. There's not just fear that's stopping her from potentially going to police or going to court or anything like that. There's love, mm-hmm. like you, you. It's so hard to understand that the the. The mentality of someone in 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 that position in terms of like we can't put ourselves necessarily in that position, you have to have experienced it I think to really truly understand it so it's very we can never judge we can never judge that that position to be with someone have had children with someone to love someone, but also be incredibly fearful potentially of them as well. Mm. And that's what the police report is alluding to, I think. When you read that police report, I think you see in someone that wants to sort of protect her own attacker by some of the language that she uses, but also is is clearly very fearful of them. And, And that's a situation where you go, well, is this something that will get resolved in the right way? Because there's so many hurdles in the way of getting... A, a proper day in court and potential convictions and all that stuff and and look i'm not I'm not relishing or looking at this being something that I would want for John Jones or anything like that. If this has been done and when you read the police report, it looks like it has, then you you want the the right thing to happen you want absolutely justice to happen and And that's all, and that's, that's where that's where this stuff gets really muddy and really murky when it comes to just I think domestic violence in general, because you you' such a, a a cocktail of emotions of, of both love and fear and 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 all of these things, and not just fearful for yourself, fearful for your, for your children what are your, are your children how is it going to affect your children that their father has been put in prison? That's the kind of things that will be going through the minds of people in this situation. It's not cut and dry. It's not, oh well, because you get you you hear stories of some people going, well, why doesn't she just leave him then? Or, oh well, if it really happened, it will come out in court. And it's not always that cut and dry. The world is more complicated than that.
3: Yeah.
2: And and it's and I don't know what the answer is, and I don't know how it will all. Come out. All, all I know is I, you know, whenever you see a situation like this, you want the victims of it to be safe. You want children to be safe, both physically and mentally. That's another factor with this.
3: Absolutely, that's paramount. Completely you know. paramount. And yeah, um, so I, you know, I, I guess like the, the the rest of the MMA community that are curious is to see what. You know what's gonna happen here we just gotta see what what presents itself in the coming weeks and and hopefully you know if uh, the, the you know the right procedures happen and uh you know with both the the legal system and the u f c and uh yeah, and I think that's kind of all we need to say on that really yeah
2: yeah i think uh it, we felt like we needed to touch on it it's been definitely. Big news, and you know, as you know, we the, the the MMA sphere and the MMA world can still be looked at by people outside of it as this kind of lad culture kind of we've worked, you have used the word brute before this brutish kind of Please use of, that you know, again I love it when you brute. use the word brute. <laughs> yeah. No but but you know what I'm getting at don't you the, the, of the, it, we, we, this sport that we love and everyone listens to this podcast really loves is sometimes seen through tinted glasses by people outside of it as this barbaric sport filled with thugs. Yeah. And stories like this don't do the sport any favors at all. But I think it's important for people that love the sport to talk about these issues and talk about them in a way where we're going, hey, we're not happy about this shit either. We hate this stuff. We want to see, you know, trained athletes in the octagon doing their their thing that Dan Hardy was talking about it. You know, the, the beauty of, of some of the violence we see. Yes, it's it's it is at times extreme, but there's there's a beauty to it as well. And we want that. Anything that's going on outside of 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 the cage, we're not interested in. We don't want to back it. Like what you're saying with Connor throwing the, the dolly through the bus. No, we don't want any of that. We want to see these athletes outside the cage like your 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 GSPs and your your Wonder Boy Thompson's and your 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 Demetrius Johnson's, these absolute high level brilliant athletes that just seem like lovely but Dustin Poirier, Roy's charity stuff like all of that kind of stuff. That's what we want to see. That's what we want to see. Um and yeah, so that's that's I suppose as you say, that's all all we need to say on it. But that's why we felt like we needed to 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 touch on it to just, you know
3: Definitely. Well, we've just hit the hour point. So there's there's a few other bits I know we wanted to sort of touch on. So we won't we won't rabbit it at length, but I, I just wanted to quickly bring up uh the Bellator event to was Bellator two six seven was it? Um yep. Lima uh rematch with MVP. Yeah. I mean it's it was tight. It was super tight. Um mm. there's a lot of Lima fans that are saying he was completely robbed, I think. Lima looked like he thought he'd won it. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought it was very, very tight. Um, I, I think when I first watched it, I did think Lima had it, and then I rewatched it and I thought, right, I, I knowing the result, maybe I was paying a bit more attention as to um, what MVP was doing. And I think, yeah, it was, it was ridiculously close had that fight um maybe been somewhere else in the world maybe he wouldn't have got the nod um uh, and i'd like to have seen five rounds not three
2: well that's been the big news coming out of bellator is as of january 1st 2022 all their non-title main events will be five rounds and i definitely think that that could have been and should have maybe have been a five-round fight. I thought it was incredibly close. I think I can see why it was given for MVP all day long, but then I think I could also have seen that, as you said, if it was in America or something like that, and they gave it to Lima, I would have gone, I can kind of understand that as well. It's one of those fights that was just so, so close, Mm. and as you say, two extra rounds would have been really helpful in in scoring that fight. Definitely.
3: One of the other things I just wanted to touch on as well. Big shout out to Jack Grant who uh, who made his uh, Bellator debut on that yes. card as well and uh, looked looked great. So uh, mm-hmm. so props to, to to Jack for that. Um, Jack obviously coming off of that loss to um, uh, Ian Gary. Uh, Ian Gary, of course, former guest, uh, the charismatic Ian Gary, who will be making his UFC debut at Madison Square Garden obviously he's not going to do it anywhere anywhere <laughs> humble is he um great watching his story starting to kind of build on on uh, on the social media he's uh, he's a superstar in the making and i think you know everybody's everybody's talking about him but obviously we got to see the Ian Gary uh, Jack Grant fight at Cage Warriors and at the first uh, at the second trilogy was that and uh and then obviously a few weeks ago, there was what apparently is going to be the last of the, the trilogy series. Yes. Um, and we got to, to chat to some of those competing. And so it was just a few that uh, I wanted to sort of touch upon. I mean, let, let, let's start um, with, with somebody who didn't kind of get the result he was looking for. Uh, and that, that was Nathan and and, yeah. and and what a lovely dude he is, you know, he's been on twice and, you know, I, I think we all thought he was going to maybe Nick that one. And, uh, he seemed to just run out of steam a little bit, I thought, uh, and and maybe run out of ideas a little bit.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I think Nathan will go on to do great things, become 100%. a cage warriors champion. He's 100%. very, very young. Uh, and I'm sure he'll make his way into the UFC. Uh, this is one of those things where, you know, a loss can actually be better for you, especially while Completely. you're young, getting a loss, yep. And and learning that, like it seemed to me from my you know what the hell do I know? But it seemed to be he was so desperate for those takedowns and kind yeah. of like quite scared of uh, of of Wooding's striking that rightly he was so. sh- and rightly so yeah. But he was shooting from quite far out, and I kind of feel like whenever I think one of the best weapons a wrestler has against a striker that I didn't see him use, that I would have liked to. And again, there'll be people that know way more about training MMA rolling their eyes at me even saying this, I'm sure. But one of the best weapons I think for wrestlers when they're fighting strikers is faking the shot and coming up with a big overhand, right? Because that immediately just makes the striker go shit. I don't, even if it doesn't connect properly, it just makes the fighter go right. So when he shoots now, I don't know whether I'm going to got a blocker, punch to my face, or if I've got to get my hands low and defend the takedown that I think whenever a wrestler fights, a striker should be one of the first things you do Mm. fake the takedown big overhand, right? Just go. Yeah. You, you, you don't know what's coming and then you can shoot in from closer distance, which makes it easier to, to get the takedown and the guys just a bit more off balance. And I, and I think that's always what you should do. And I was surprised not to see that from Nathan, um, there might be reasons why um but yeah uh, he, he he dominated a lot of the first two rounds with his wrestling he did yeah. eventually get him to the ground and dominate, but it seemed to be that Dominic Wooden was just quite happy to def- to to take losses in the rounds but without taking damage he was you know risk control positionally not taking too much damage, all that stuff. And Nathan did seem to gas out a bit, and uh, and that's when Dominic was able. I think he caught him with a knee on his way in with a when he when he shot him for a takedown, and you could tell from that point on it was it was kind of game over really. But as I say, I think Nathan will come back stronger. I think he'll learn a lot from this. He's a young lad, a really focused lad, disciplined, a really nice guy as well, and and I think he'll do some really great things. But but we have to say props to Dominic Wooding. And, Absolutely. And uh, Brad Pickett, obviously, as well, yes. coaching him in, in the corner. They're doing things at GB Top Team. So, well done to those guys. Uh,
3: second day on the Friday, uh, again, former guest, uh, the, the lovely Paul Hughes. Uh, what yep. what an absolute gent he was. Um, took on uh, Morgan Charrier. Um, and, I mean, what a great scrap. And to see Paul Hughes get that decision I mean, when he had his hand lifted, you see how much that meant to him. Mm. Like, yeah. just literally broke down, and yeah, and just seeing him just standing that octagon, you know, all the Irish supporters up where up in the uh, the rafters of York Hall, all just losing their minds. Like it was just beautiful to see, and I think he's he's going to be a, a a real problem in the world of MMA, Paul Hughes. I think he's got a great mindset. Um, I th- I, I've got, yeah, I really see him going somewhere. I really do. I don't know what's next, whether he's going to go uh, and, and try and avenge the, the one loss. Um,
2: I think he will. I, th- I think that's next. I think uh, um, a unification fight with Jordan Buchanek, hopefully Buchanek, uh, yeah. uh recovers from his injury quickly. And I know they've they've announced like a double trouble at York Hall in mm. December. So there'll be two events in December in York Hall for Cage Warriors. So hopefully he'll be involved in some of that. Uh against Jordan Vucenick, maybe, or, or maybe it'll have to be something later. I don't know. But uh that will be some fight when that happens. That'll be a really good scrap, I think.
3: And and before we get on to the 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 the, the, the Saturday just props to matchmaker Ian Dean. These, these Cage Warriors trilogies, yes. like every single fight is an absolute cracker. Yeah. There's no duds on these cards. And I, I know that obviously we've been doing some work with Cage Warriors, but we've not been asked to say this. I think they, them last two trilogies have been absolutely wonderful. And, yeah. and I think the, the matchmaking on these scraps, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant.
2: Couldn't agree more. Yeah, they, they, I think they've got a great setup there. Ian Dean, phenomenal matchmaker, and they do the, the fights are great. They're really.
1: Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
2: Really entertaining fights.
3: Oh, and uh, did we get a mention?
2: Oh, maybe on Saturday night we did, yeah. (laughs) That's lovely. Yeah, you, but you just made that seem like we are just proper in bed with cage warriors. Like, <laughs> our, our only connection with cage warriors is sometimes we message uh, the lovely Kieran and say, "Oh, you got any fighters you want We can have on." Yeah, of uh, course. And that's that's it. There's no like no. There's no like connection really other than that. Um, yeah. But we've just had a, a, a lovely time watching the the trilogies and interviewing some of their fighters and stuff, and and and, and that's it. And that's it. And, and, and yeah, we we mean everything we say. If we didn't like the events, we probably just wouldn't talk about it. But uh, but they've been great. Can we talk about the Hardwick brothers? Oh, can we? They they were just, <laughs> again, brilliant. Harry in just great scrap again. Uh, uh, George doing the business. And it was during George's fight that uh, Brad Wharton, the commentator, said he listened to our episode with the Hardwick brothers and how they push each other so hard because they're brothers and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And But it shows, doesn't it? And they are entertaining guys. And, uh, yeah, I I can see them doing great things. I think that they've both got title fights in their sights, I think. So, yeah, I mean, that could be a really fun card uh, if you've got both fighting for titles on the same night. Mm. Or maybe what might be easier for them is if they did, like, a double trouble or something and they were, you know, fighting for titles on separate nights. You just hope that... uh, Whoever goes first definitely wins so it doesn't bum out the uh the one who's going second, but
3: yeah, I'd be Absolutely. good. Absolutely. I don't think he's watching it anywhere though, is he? I think uh, Oh yeah, George by, doesn't by watch
2: <laughs> George is just like watching YouTube while his brother's fighting. <laughs> Um,
3: obviously the the, the title fight that night uh, Sam Creasy Luke Shanks um, little bit of controversy Shanks seemed to think that Creasy uh, tapped uh, very early on I
2: tried to find Um, this video and I couldn't couldn't find it
3: I've watched it several times I can't see it Uh, uh, I can't see it Um, but yeah and then um, props to to Creasy who, who then took the uh, got the finish uh, by Guillotine uh, in the
2: third round, and love uh, fight yeah. pass, but uh, that went down. <laughs> that went down at a really important moment. <laughs> oh, I watched it the next day. Uh, oh, you watched no, it the next was day watching it, it live? There. I was watching yeah. it live, and fight pass just shut off. I can't remember if it was like in the like middle of the first round. And then it came back no. on in like the middle of the second round. So we were all like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> "Pass, Come on. <laughs> but thankfully we, I think, um, Cre- Oh yes, yeah, so that was it. So they were fighting. It seemed relatively equal. Then when the, the feed came back, Creasy was like proper bleeding out. Was it Creasy that was really bleeding out of his nose? Uh, and yeah, so he was just spraying blood everywhere from his nose. And I was like, what happened? What did he catch him with? Um, but yeah, Okay.
3: Um, Should we have a little look ahead to... What what, what
2: one do you want to have a little look at? I mean, we're Uh, we're recording this today. We we have run over more than what we thought. I didn't know whether to quickly mention the the, the Kevin Holland head clash because that was big news. A lot of people talking about that and that they felt like it was dealt with badly. Personally, I I think there was moments of it that were dealt with badly, but overall, I think the right decision was made. I know it's maybe unfortunate... it's unfortunate because Carl Dorcas, has, you know, maybe lost like a a win money and that is a shame and I don't like that. But the right thing happened. The clash of heads knocked out Kevin Holland. He went down. Now, a lot of people have been um, uh, critical of of Dan Mergliata, the referee, because he made a gesture as if to say, I'm going to want to see the replay on that. And from what I've heard, the narratives I've heard are, you saw the headbutt. So why did you let the action continue? But my opinion is, hang on a minute. Hasn't he called for the replay because he's not quite sure? Hasn't he called? That's for- what that's what he's there for, right? <laughs> exactly. These guys move so quick and it happens quickly. It happened in the Molly McCann fight where mm-hmm. she got a head clash but was able to power mm-hmm. through it. Um, now, Holland was knocked out cold, but it seemed to be a, a, one of those knockouts where he woke back up quite quickly Last and was knockout, able to kind yeah. of defend himself on the ground a little bit. But he wasn't right. Um,
3: His he, eyes rolled, as you could see, as he was going oh, down.
2: He went down like a tree being cut. He really flopped down. But um, I, I personally want to give Dan a little bit of um, uh, benefit of the doubt because I think he's called for the replay going, shit. I'm not sure if it was a headbutt. It might have been a fit. It might not. I don't know. That was my interpretation of it. So at the end of the, so he's got to let the action continue because it might not have been a headbutt. But then at the end of it all, he's got to go and check it. So for me, I actually didn't have too big of a problem with that. Uh, Um, And so I think that that's all right. But a lot of people have been very critical of it, and I I don't think they need to be. What I think wasn't great is when they were deliberating and watching the footage and all that stuff, you got all the refs together and all of that, there was – I don't know if it was Mick Maynard or Sean Shelby – one of the matchmakers for the UFC went up and had a chat about it. Now you don't know what they're saying. Maybe it's just saying what's going on. We need to hurry this up. Like the broadcast has got to be over in a few minutes or something. Who knows? But the fact that he's there with the referees talking to them when a big decision's being made, that doesn't feel right. It feels like anyone UFC related that isn't an official or in some kind of lawmaking capacity or something like that, they need to be away And the refs need to go, this is what needs to happen. And if they need to take their time to do it, let them take their time to do it. I know it's not the best TV. It's, you know, well, yeah. Well, I mean, I I suppose the damage, a lot of it has, has been done, but it's just about what's right. What's the right outcome here? Did it have an effect? The answer is yes. So should it be a no contest? I think the answer is yes. And it's that. And I know that there's a lot of people that I really respect that I've listened to their podcast talk about it. They have a different opinion to me on this, but that's just, but I just think that makes sense to me,
3: mm. and and I think moving forward, like I guess it's it's you know it, you can only learn from these kind of weird outcomes and these weird moments in there, and you know I think it's great that that you know you can then go back and look at it and make that decision. I think you know we, we I guess. It's all for the good of, of, of MMA and trying to make sure it's fair, it's safe. And and if that means that every now and again these things happen, then I'm happy for that to happen.
2: Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I, I think that's fine. Um, right. Shall we move on to – I know that we've got 267 coming up. We'll try and do a preview and post-show for that. Um, then there'll be 268 – which uh, I think is the Usman Covington card, but the one that I want to quickly just reference because a huge fight has just been announced on it, UFC 269 is not only going to be an absolute barn burner of a card, but they've just announced Leon Edwards versus Jorge Masvidal on that card. Mm -hmm. Yeah, boy. How do you think that's going to go?
3: I... I, I just hope nothing goes wrong.
2: <laughs> oh, God, don't.
3: <laughs> um, you know, A, uh, great to see uh, Leon get a, the big fight, you know, yeah. uh, get the payday. Um, and obviously there's that little bit of beef. A little uh, bit? Three piece and a oh, soda I,
2: of beef, mate. It's been going for three years. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um yeah I'm 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 well up for it. Um I, I think Leon wins. Um I, I think uh Leon's range is is great uh and hopefully you won't get drawn into a uh, uh, a fist fight with Masvidal because I think that obviously he's he's ridiculously dangerous there. Um yeah, I, I love watching Leon kick. Uh, I hope he, you know we see a lot of that in in this. But I'm just happy to see the fight made, and yeah. it's going to be great. And the fact that that's about fourth on the on the card shows how stacked that card is.
2: Yeah, I mean that it's a crazy card. Edwards Masvidal is going to be brilliant. I'm I'm disappointed it's not five rounds. I think five mm. rounds would have actually favoured Leon as well. I know we had the end of the Nate fight and he just got clipped, but I think over five rounds, Leon is a great, great fight. I think he paces himself incredibly well. I think uh, Masvidal, I think three rounds actually favors Masvidal. I think Masvidal can come out and try and throw everything. Just re- not w- worry less about his gas tank and just throw it. I think three rounds favors Masvidal. I think overall, Edwards is the favorite to win the fight and should be, and I'm expecting him to win the fight. But I think, I would have rather to see five rounds and I think five rounds would have favored Leon, but, um, that's going to be a phenomenal fight. And also on that card, just to get you excited about that. I know it's not till December 11th. We've got other big cards coming in the interim. It's fine, but I'm just super excited about it because when you look down this card, Oliveira Poirier for the lightweight belt, what a main event that is going to be incredible. I don't know what way that's going to go. That's going to be phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Amanda Nunez, Juliana Peña. Now, we were saying earlier, Nunez mm-hmm. is is as like Shevchenko. She's just so far ahead of the other pack. Peña's chatted so much shit. I'm interested. Mm. I'm in it. Oh, I'm kind of, no. I think she might be able to just... I don't think she'll win, but she could cause her some problems. And I don't know. We might see something special in a Nunez fight, I, I don't the first think time the gap's we've that seen that big. in ages.
3: Yeah. I don't think the gap's that big on that one. Like, she, I might regret saying that, but uh, I... Yeah, I've I've been a fan of Pena and I think like it it could
2: it, it yeah. Who knows? Who yeah. knows? Who knows? I mean it's definitely I think Nunez will be the favourite, rightfully so. But of course Nunez historically struggles a bit more with people with higher level wrestling, and that's what Pena's mm. got. So I think that that that'll be probably the one of the most interesting Nunes fights since maybe Cyborg. I don't know. Like yep. so that could be really good. Kaikara France versus Cody Garbrandt. Cody Garbrandt dropping down to 125. Pedro Munoz, Dominic Cruz. Um, who else we got? Drikas who I'm a big fan of against uh, Andre Muniz. Uh, Ryan Hall's on the card. Love Ryan Hall. Such a shame yep. what happened to him uh, with the Tapuria fight, but it happens. But Ryan Hall back on the card. That's what you want to see. And uh, I know you're a big fan. Sean O'Malley is on the card as well against Piva. So, yeah.
3: Piver ranked below him, right? Is he 15 and, and
2: uh, I'm not sure. I'm yeah, not I sure. I think he's ranked, ranked below him. Um, I, I think both of them. No, do you know what? I think Piver might be ahead of him in the UFC rankings. Uh, right. I'm not sure. Cause Piver beat, um, Kyle, Kyla Phillips when Kyla Phillips mm. was ranked. So if, if Piver's ranked, he's probably 14 or 15 and Sean O'Malley, I think he's still unranked, but mm. maybe I'm, um, but yeah, so, oh, so some great... Jeff Neal versus Santiago Ponzinibbio, that'll be a great fight as well. So there's just loads of good fights on that card to get excited about and everything 267 and then later on 268 will get you your your pre- and post-shows for those as well. But they're coming thick and fast and there's going to be some cracking cards over the We're next few We're already talking
3: weeks. 2022, Blake
2: Harrison. 270 announced.
3: We're going yeah. to see the big boys throw down. And, the uh,
2: big boys whoo. and the little boys. It's going to be in Garnu versus Garn heavyweight title and uh, the flyweight belt Moreno versus Figueroa three. So the the big boys and the little boys, it's going to be great.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Well, look, I'm sure as you say, we'll, we'll be uh, breaking down them cards uh, ahead of them happening uh, in the not too distant future. Um, We'll be back to doing what we do as well. Um, Shortly, we'll be getting some, some new fresh faced guests on and, if this is your first time listening, go check out the back catalogue because um, you can hear us talking to um, the aforementioned uh, Volkanovski, uh, a lot of the, the fighters that we spoke about when we were talking about cage warriors. Uh, and we've had some absolute crackers from the UFC roster. So we won't list them because there's bloody loads now, aren't yeah. there? So just go get stuck in. Um, we've got a YouTube channel, haven't we?
2: got a youtube channel uh we're kind of filling that up with our back catalogue of of stuff at the moment so go and check that out i mean phenomenal interview we had with with dan hardy and that just slots in with all the other great ones that we've had where we said just check out the the back catalogue there we've had your Volkanovski's, your tyron woodley's kenny florian's and the creme de la creme of, of british mma as well with your molly mccann's paddy pimblett arnold allens and Paul Craig's, and the list goes on and on and on. So check those out. Aspinall,
3: Jack Shaw. And and also, if uh, that hasn't convinced you, um, Blake did mention Tyron Woodley. Um, If you've ever wondered um, what Tyron Woodley looks like driving a car with his shirt off in space, go check out the MMA Fan Podcast on YouTube, and uh, it will present itself exactly what that looks like. (laughs) <laughs> with indicators clicking throughout as well. You get the full experience of driving in space with Tyron. Um We're back next time, right? We're back next time.
2: Enjoy uh, the shows, guys. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you later.
3: Bye. Bye.